0: scat. Bow, 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 bow. Aliens. Welcome to Ghoulish Tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim. We are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of famous and not so famous cases of moida,
1: ghosts, legends, and more with a healthy dose of your favorite debunking. Yeah. Woo! You know, I love debunking, I uh, no, you do. You are the Kim opinion. What did we say? <laughs> what did we say earlier? We had a great. yeah, Kim explaining was Kimsplaining. it Kim explaining Kim about it's all about the evidence evidence evidence. and Kim explains so well. <laughs> she really does. She brought us something really great to Kim explain about today. I
0: did, but before we dive into our topic this week we do have a user submitted ghost story yes
1: thank you so much liam all the way from australia australia
0: that was i can't do it
1: (laughs) (laughs) put another shimp in the bobby yeah no don't even ask me to try to do it i'll sound irish um (laughs) here is liam's story In 2010, I was 19 when I cycled into the side of a moving car. I was hospitalized with some broken bones and a brain injury. While recovering in hospital, my grandmother, who was a spiritual believer, reached out to her dogs whom I was close with but had passed away a few years prior. She asked them to come and visit me because I could use some company. Within a few days, my mum was telling her that I had began to tell her about my grandmother's dogs had come to visit me. Neither I nor my mum had been told at this stage about my grandmother reaching out to their spirits. This has been my only encounter with a spirit to my knowledge, but unfortunately due to my injury, I have no recollection and only secondhand accounts of the
0: story. Thank you for sharing that with us, Liam. That was awesome. If you would like to have your ghost story featured on Ghoulish Tendencies, you can send a recording, a voice memo, whatever to... Gabby, G-A-B-I, at ghoulishtendencies.com.
1: And uh, make sure it's no longer than two minutes because That's we want to make sure that you have enough time to listen to our topics. Speaking of topics, I'm so excited for this one. We had to give you a <laughs> X-Files moment earlier because this truly is a Kim, Kimtoid, Cryptoid, Cryptoid. Cryptoid. We're going to be, Kim, going to be talking Kim, about cryptoids.
0: Kim <laughs> Kimtoid. Kimtoids. <That> sounds weird. It <laughs> does. Sound weird. I don't know if I like that. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, uh, cryptid. We're going to be talking about a cryptid. And if you are not familiar with cryptids, um, basically a cryptid is is some kind of creature that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. because oh, you know we like to prove a good. <laughs>
1: A good solution to all the things that people think are paranormal. But you know what? We do. Sometimes, fun fun fact, guys. Paranormal investigators are the best debunkers ever.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and so in the world of cryptids, and I, I'm sure that if you're still thinking to yourself like cryptid, that's a strange word. Uh, Bigfoot. Bigfoot is a cryptid and one that is in our home state. Kim's boyfriend. Yes, my boyfriend is a Bigfoot. He's hot. What can I say? I can't Uh,
1: stay away from those hairy dudes. I I love them
0: hairy. You know, I am. Dudes are girls. I love them (laughs) hairy. The Loch Ness Monster, another famous cryptid. A Mothman, another famous cryptid. But we're not going to be talking about them today. And I am really excited because I've been wanting to do an episode on a cryptid for a while now. Yes, you have. I have. I okay. So, so here's a little here's a little history of of tiny little Kim. When I was a wee young thing, I became obsessed with cryptozoology, which is no the surprise sp- there. <laughs> to the point where, like, I wrote a school report in elementary school on the Loch Ness monster. That's so cute. Do You still have it? I have to ask my mom. She might still have it somewhere. Oh my god, normal, uh, come through. Th- i'll i will i will pose that question but i i wrote a legit like we were in sixth sixth grade no it was um i was fifth grade we had to do a maybe it was fourth grade i don't know it was a long time i'm i'm old uh we had to do a research <laughs> project and my and i got approved by the teacher but my research project was on the Loch Ness monster
1: that is so cool yeah. a,
0: is that like the first time you ever went down a Kim rabbit hole no my brother and i are readers right Mm -hmm. We read from a very young age. I used to listen to a lot of books on tape when I was tiny, tiny, and I would memorize them and think I was reading, but it was part of how I learned to read. We have a cabin up in the mountains, and my parents would go to Costco and buy those packs of books that you can get of, like, kids' books, so... When I was six, they'd hand me, you know, packs of Babysitters Club or whatever. And then one weekend, I was six, mind you, they handed me a pack of Arl Stein books. Oh, I used to love Arl Stein. I learned that Arl Stein was awesome. My mom had yes. no idea either. She was just like, oh, here's a pack of books. Kim reads here. Um, little that, did she know. Little did she know. So that that probably sent me down my first rabbit hole. Um and Bigfoot, uh being in the mountains, Bigfoot was a big thing to us. But we've been talking a lot about Bigfoot. We're not talking about Bigfoot this week, we're talking about none other than the Jersey Devil. Yes. And the Jersey Devil's a really interesting one because the Jersey Devil is 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 not just a cryptid, the Jersey Devil has become part of our pop culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a professional hockey team that's been named after the Jersey Devil. He popped up in an episode of The X-Files. I know! I'm so excited. There's a lot of horror films that have used that premise of the Jersey Devil. And this was a new thing. I didn't realize this. It is officially the state demon of New Jersey. Wait, does every state have a
1: demon they're the only one. <laughs> oh my God. Is it like the state bird? But instead
0: of a state bird, it's a state demon. It's a state demon. Yeah. <laughs> but great. leave it to New Jersey to do that. Like that, that brought me joy. It brought me joy in my heart area. And my heart area does not feel joy usually. No, it's cold. It's usually and dead. pretty like black and empty. Yeah. It's it's black, dead, and empty. So that that <laughs> brought me joy. Uh now, <laughs> in terms of of the Jersey Devil, uh, the the legend surrounding it's pretty epic. So as the legend goes, deep in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. And if you have never been to New Jersey, what are you waiting for? It's a actually a pretty cool state. But the Pine Barrens are this, it's this massive, like, forest. And there's these weird kind of swampy areas. And it's, it's, it's really, really cool. Uh, my old college roommate and I would go down and just, like, go into the Pine Barrens for funsies looking for the Jersey Devil. Did you ever find him? That's a spoiler alert, Gabby. Oh. Now, deep in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey, a woman known as Mother Leeds was getting ready to give birth to her 13th child. Ma'am. I know, right? Ma'am. Uh, now, there's, there's legends that, because there's a lot of variations of this legend. Uh, sure. Some versions say Mother Leeds was a known witch. Mm. Some make her a healer. But regardless, uh, it's 1735, and Mother Leeds goes into labor on a stormy night. And you know, because labor sucks, she cried out, "Oh, let this one be the devil." You should never say that. <laughs> you just you just should, because what's gonna what's gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, you never know, right? You never know. Behold, what should have been a normal child transformed into a monster with a horse's head and glowing red eyes and wings like a bat and hooves. Which honestly, I don't know what the big deal is. That actually sounds like the ideal child. Him, <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds awesome. I would love my child to have the head of a horse with glowing red eyes and bat like wings and hooves. That sounds great. So the child proceeded to fly up the chimney and out into the night. In some versions, the baby's father was the devil himself. Other versions, the child stayed with the family for a couple of years. I mean, anyone who listens to us regularly knows that that, that line when you're talking about facts and legend and lore, eh, they're not really compatible things. And uh, one of the things I encountered while looking into the Jersey Devil was there's a lot of variations on the legend. And that nobody cites their sources. If you ever want to rub Kim the wrong way, (laughs) just
1: say something and don't reference anything and don't give a source. Because it'll really, really get her blood boiling.
0: The problem is, so again, I am... uh, This is something some of you may not know about me, but like cryptozoology... I am I'm kind of hardcore. I love cryptozoology, and I have a number of books that deal in monsters and cryptozoology and monster hunting. This was sort of my first foray into the unexplained. I was into cryptozoology before I was into the paranormal. Oh, oh yeah. Because again, this is this is dating back to when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I didn't know ghost hunting was a thing, but I knew monster hunters existed. Like it says a lot about tiny little Kim as a child. <laughs> so uh, something that was kind of frustrating, even in some of the books I have, because again, the Jersey devil is one of the most famous cryptids. You're you're going to find information on him, but a lot of them were recycling the same stories, but a lack of references. So let's go back. Let's, let's go. <laughs> <be> a... <laughs> let's go back before we had white settlers. The indigenous people were the uh, Leni Lenape. And I'm going to apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. <laughs> the Lenape there were some references saying that they referred to the Pine Barrens as, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce this, um, Popwessing? Ooh. I hope I'm saying that somewhat in the role of right. And that supposedly means the place of the dragon. Okay. Interesting, dragons have wings. That being said, where I saw that, and that comes back to the sources thing, that's a thing I saw referenced a lot, but I have never once seen a source outside of Wikipedia Mm. that actually backs that claim up. Well, isn't that interesting? It's interesting. There were, however, I found a number of places that reference some of the creatures and, and legends and stories that pop up in Lenape culture. The Mutontu, which is one of their evil spirits. And as white settlers started to appear and they were introduced the idea of, of Christianity, the Lenape would refer to this specific spirit sometimes as the devil. This next one, I can't even begin to say the word, so I'm just going to say the anglicized version of it, which is thunder beings. Okay. They are said to cause thunder and lightning, usually depicted as giant birds, but sometimes can have other attributes. That's so vague. Well, you again, though I, I keep thinking about, they have all of these creatures that are flying. Which is really interesting. The uh, Maxisax, which is an underwater creature. I, I, I think I butchered that name too. I'm going to apologize. <laughs> this underwater creature though is said to be horned and possibly eat people. Oh, be hungry. Be hung- yeah, he's very hungry. So, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of others too. But my point is that within these legends, you see some interesting creatures. And then you have settlers moving into the area and possibly adopting some of these legends into their own. Mm. The Lenape were actually supposed to be fairly friendly to the settlers. And they also, like, they believed in witches. They thought witches could fly and could travel great distances at night. So it's, it's just, it's setting this foundation for how some of this folklore could have started. But, all right. What about Mother Leeds, right? She's, she's supposed to be the person that, that started all of this. Mm-hmm. There's a couple different origins that popped up. And honestly, I think a combination of them is what led to the creation of what would become known as the Jersey Devil. There's a woman named Deborah Leeds. The name matches. According to records, she did give birth to 12 children. Hashtag Ouch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something that popped up again and again in my research was the idea of what was referred to as a monstrous birth. I mean, that could mean a lot of things. Well, it specifically meant in this time period, it was the non PC way of saying uh, that the birth of a child who was deformed, a child with an extra head, missing limbs, deformed in some kind of manner. Got it. And it was something that was really feared at the time. If you had a monstrous birth, that could mean you had been cursed. It might mean you're in league with the devil. It was never a good thing. Could mean that you slept with your sibling. Could mean you slept. I mean, hi, it's New Jersey. Uh, a woman named Anne Hutchinson, who was something of a religious and political radical, which uh, I think is kind of badass, given that she was alive from 1591 to 1653. Dang, Gina. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, that's that's cool, right? So yeah. She got pregnant for the sixteenth. Oh my god! Sixteenth time, and then when she gave birth, it was described as being a deformed mass. Ooh! And I, I looked it up, and there actually is a condition, and they think this is probably what happened: hydatidiform. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> it's uh, so it's it's a growth of abnormal fertilized eggs or an overgrowth of tissue from the placenta. Oh. So a woman, it seems like she's pregnant. The uterus is enlarging rapidly. In fact, more rapidly than normal pregnancy. Uh, you've got the, the, the nausea, the vomiting, like all of the signs that might make you think you're pregnant, but all it is is this like excess of cells. So if you actually birthed it, it would be a mass. That would be so sad and disappointing. Well, particularly... In this time period when you did not have the understanding, I mean, like now you have ultrasounds, you'd figure it out pretty quickly, but right. then this would be a monstrous birth and She had a friend, uh Mary Dyer, who also gave birth to a deformed child and and basically is these these independent, awesome women have these deformed children, and so the message being said is that if like you're not towing the line, if you're a woman who who is independent, if you're a woman who is is exhibiting any of these signs of of thinking independently, you're going to give birth to a deformed child. That's so messed up. It's really messed up. And so this is also something that could have been kind of a precursor to it, like the notion and the fear of these monstrous births. But that being said, there's no record of a deformed birth happening in the Pine Barrens, specifically during the time period that Mother Leeds was said to have existed. And let's look at the name too. Like, so the Jersey Devil, that was not what the creature was referred to as. It was called the Leeds Devil. And there was a Leeds family. So again, Deborah Leeds. Who, who could have been she was a real woman she could have been the the mother leads they're talking about she had 12 children between 1704 and 1726 so maybe she was pregnant with a 13th and the child was deformed uh, that's a long stretch she would have been older by the end of it too and and as you get older the possibility of birth defects rises Deborah's husband and I hope and I hope I'm saying his name correctly there's a lot of interesting names in this um Japheth Japheth was the son of Daniel and Daniel Leeds so the more digging I did into him the more interesting he became because there is a whole theory that we're going to be talking about in regards to Daniel Leeds Daniel Leeds, who came to America from England in 1677, settled in in Burlington, New Jersey. He had a number of children, around eight that we could confirm. Dang. A man named Professor Fred McFadden did extensive research of the Leeds family. And he said that several of Daniel Leeds' children were mentally disabled, um, I couldn't find anything that really elaborated on that or substantiated it. But I read this book, and this is where I got a lot of really fascinating information from. It was called The Secret History of the Jersey Devil. It was written by Brian Regal and Frank Esposito. And if they are to be believed, if their research is to be believed, the Jersey Devil came about because of politics feuding Quakers. Huh. Benjamin Franklin. Wait. How is uh, Benjamin Franklin involved? All right. So I'm glad you asked that. Mother Leeds is really not who we should be focusing on. Who we should be looking at is Daniel Leeds, because Daniel Leeds is the one who really brought the Leeds family to the new world. He was born around 1652 in England. He came with his father sometime in 1678 or so. 1677, 1678. The dates are a little bit iffy. He was a Quaker. He was part of the Society of Friends is is the the official name. Um, but they're a, a Christian movement that was founded by George Fox. And they were devoted to peaceful principles. Uh, they, I mean, basically their whole belief is that like God is in everyone. And they believed in spiritual equality for men and women, which at the time was a very radical idea. So he had some really forward thinking ideas. And I mean, like this is, again, this is, you know, the mid 1600s. 1600s were not a great time to have radical ideas.
1: Clearly, you're
0: going to have a deformed child if you do. you're going to have a deformed child. But what else was happening in the 1600s? Witches? Witches. Salem witch trials happened in 1692, 1693. New Jersey had even made a law saying that witches had to be put to death. So you have all this superstition, this fear of the devil, like this is not the time to be kind of going away from the norm quakers however like they had a lot of persecution in england so moving to the new world moving to an area where there was a lot of fellow quakers that was a very appealing thing he had married when he was in in england still she died pretty quickly uh he married again when he arrived in the new world she died giving birth and the baby died too oh sad sad He remarried his third wife was a woman named Dorothy Young. And that was whom he had his eight children with. And she died in 1699. Dang, just killing all these women. Oh, he married a fourth time. Dang. I know. A woman named Jane Revel. So when he first came to, it wasn't the U.S. yet. It was still still just the colonies. Uh, He worked as a cooper, but he worked his way up. He was a man with vision. He was a smart guy too. He was self-educated. He was a very, very smart man. In 1682, he became a member of the local assembly. He was a justice of the peace. And he became the surveyor general of the area. That was cool because that meant that, like, you got to see all the choice land ahead of time. Hmm. So he ended up purchasing this very large area of land off of uh, Great Bay, which is not far from Atlantic City. And it's surrounded by the Pine Barrens. And this would become known as Leeds point. He thought that the studying of mathematics and astronomy gave somebody a greater understanding of the universe. And this was a good thing because if you had a greater understanding of the universe, you'd have a greater understanding of God. He wanted his friends and neighbors to be all on board with it. So by the end of 1686, he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I want my friends to feel close to God, to understand God like I am. I'm going to make an almanac. They were very popular in this time. Like uh, nowadays, I mean, the only one I can think of is really the old farmer's almanac. Now we have the internet, so we don't need an almanac. <laughs> need an almanac, right. It's, I have apps that tell me what the weather's going to be or tell me what the tides are going to be or the moon. But this let him, like, I'm going to publish this almanac and it's going to let me put my name out there, spread my ideas. I can introduce some of this cool astronomy and understanding of mathematics and universe, all that. This is awesome! And so he, he produced it the following year, published it. And his neighbors were like, what is this shit? <laughs> and his His neighbors, like, you know, they're like, this is not... Proper. He had all these illustrations that were were utilizing, you know, some kind of pagan imagery and they weren't oh. down with that. Some, uh, you know, stuff from astronomy and things to represent the human body. And that's not godly. That's, that's pagan. Heretic. Heretic. Like my favorite is that somebody called him Satan's harbinger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I want somebody to call me that. Maybe awesome. you should make that your new Instagram name. I think it should be. <laughs> like to, if somebody said that to me today, I'd be like... Thank you. You really like me. Thank you. But at the time, you didn't you didn't really want to be called that. That wasn't good. But it like, okay, it was bad enough that they collected and destroyed all the copies they could get a hold of. That's messed up. It's messed up. In fact, it's one of the reasons why we don't have a lot of what he published today. It got destroyed. And they made him publicly apologize, which he was not really stoked about. So he's like, okay, you know what? Game on. <laughs> And doubled down on everything. He's like, I one way or another, I'm bringing science to you, little fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> you bastards are getting some science. I like him. Yeah, yeah, no, like he sounds like a cool guy, actually. <laughs> so in, in 1688, he finished a manuscript that was entitled "The Temple of Wisdom for the Little World." This was different than the almanac. This was like his own beliefs and philosophies. He talked about theology and angels and nature, everything. And again, people weren't enlightened by it. They were like, what is this? They were appalled. Not the reception he was hoping for. So the area is becoming more settled and and more people are settling who have beliefs similar to him. So he's kind of like, all right, screw it. I'm making a new almanac. Starts to kind of drift further and further from the Quakers. Continuing to pick apart the church in 1698 that's the first time that there is a a, rec- a record basically of of him being referenced as evil he also like daniel leeds i mean he was british right yeah he was he was all about the queen he served as the deputy for lord cornbury who was the colonial governor of the area lord cornbury was not well liked he was not great about handling money and was accused of being a cross dresser <laughs>
1: I like that detail.
0: I Well, I mean, again, to me, I'm like, these are all things that make you awesome. Eh, late 1600s, not so much. Um, uh, By 1708, Daniel Leeds was justice of the colonies, uh, the Supreme Court, and he would be publicly accused of being a devil. Publicly? I mean, like, if I had a nickel for every time, I was publicly accused for being a devil. <laughs> I, different times, I, Kim. Different times. I know. But... I mean, well, that's a good point because calling someone the devil in the 1600s, the 1700s, like that was, it was common. It was a thing referring to a rival and opponent that way. It was slander. It was, it was a way to be like, they are evil. Uh, So he had enemies. He had people who didn't like him. He retired from his almanac around 1714, turned it over to his sons, Felix and Titan. Fabulous names. Kim's favorite names. He died in 1720. Titan took over the almanac. He was a little more conservative when it came to angering the local Quakers. Uh, But he redesigned the masthead, the the logo, and it included their family crest. And the crest had this cute little creature. We'll have to find a picture to post to our Instagram. Because this cute little tiny creature on their family crest kind of resembled a little bit of a dragon. A oh. monster with wings. Would you call it a Jersey Devil? I'd call it a Leeds Devil. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh-huh. Uh, so, Titans running things now. By 1732, you know who had a competing almanac? Who, Mister Benjamin Franklin? Oh, and in he walks. And in he walks. And, and Ben Franklin had a really different approach. Um, he had a, a pseudonym he was riding under, and uh, poor Richard, and, and his take on things, he had a very comical tone, kind of satirical. They went back and forth, and his response was to predict that Titan leads would die. What? On October 17th of 1733. And I mean, again, he's he's taking the piss out of him. That's very specific. Is he going to kill him on that day? No, no, no. He said that that's what, like, the stars and the moons and everything, like, that's what the almanac is saying. He's going to die on this day. Okay, so this was an ad that ran about the almanac. Saturday Last was published for 1733. The third impression of poor Richard, an almanac containing the lunations, eclipses, planet motions and aspects, weather, sun, and moons rising and setting, high water, etc. besides many pleasant and witty verses, jests and sayings, author's motive of writing, prediction of the death of his friend, Mr. Titan Leeds. Oh my God. <laughs> so I mean, like he put in as part of his like, all right, I'm going to tell you all these things. Also- I'm predicting my friend is going to die. P.S. He gonna die. P.S. He gonna die. Now, again, he is joking. This is all being done in jest. Uh, Titan, though, was taking it very seriously (laughs) because he actually responded, he write, that, that Franklin has manifest himself a fool and a liar. But, I mean, here's the thing. The more you double down and when somebody is ribbing you like when when you object like that what is the person who is ribbing you going to do they're going to do it more cause Yeah, cuz they, they got see... a rise out of you exactly so he's getting all like and and ben franklin's just like okay he's like whoa it's working yeah so obviously titan did not die on october 17th of 1733 but franklin as as titan's being like see i didn't die franklin's like oh no, he totes died. Now he's a ghost. And now he's writing to me as a ghost. (laughs) So, I mean, like, that's the thing. He's just kind of continuing to take the piss out of him. So as a result, Franklin's almanac flourished. The Leeds almanac failed. Titan did die in 1738. (laughs) Even then, Franklin published a fake letter supposedly written to him from beyond. So like he writes in this thing, you know, just published Poor Richard's almanacs for the year 1740, containing besides the usual matters, many pleasant verses, merry jokes, and wife sayings with a letter to the author from Titan Leeds, deceased. This is like pre-spiritualism. They were so ahead of their time. They were so ahead of their time. And I mean, like, here's the thing. I knew that Ben Franklin had a little bit of a reputation. This is kind of reinforced that he was sort of a dick. <laughs> but also he was a funny dick. <laughs> but this is coming back to pushing those links of the Leeds name being tied to things evil, satanic, unholy, supernatural. Like Daniel Leeds, all of his wives die, four of them. Several of his children had also died. Titans accused of being a ghoul and rising from the grave. He was also pro-Britain. His family crest has a cute little monster on it. Like, none of these things look good. So 1800s are rolling around. Leeds' family is kind of faded from history. They're still around. His descendants are still around, but nobody's really remembering exactly who he is. By the late 1800s and early 1900s, times had changed. You have uh, middle class rising up, have a little bit of money, buying papers, books. Printing is easier to do. It's becoming faster and cheaper. People going to the theater. Photography is starting to become more prevalent. Weird stories, that's not a new concept. We've always loved weird stories we people, still love weird stories we still love weird stories but people are finding dinosaur bones they're digging up these weird creatures dime museums are becoming really popular freak shows new jersey and the pine barrens are changing too so when the leeds family first moved there you know it was it was a nice community full of quakers religious people pious citizens prominent now it's kind of getting a little backwards. So you're, you're seeing a scattering of references to the Leeds Devil. Again, still the Leeds Devil through the years. There was one journal reference from a man named Vance Larner in 1790. But again, this comes back to something that the, the origins of it are a little bit dubious and can't be verified. Because we see the references to the journal but finding the original source material is challenging. So I'm not sure that that is something that you can actually take seriously. But in May of 1859, an article ran in the Atlanta Monthly by W.F. Mayer, and it references the Leeds Devil. He had gone to the Pine Barrens to write about it, met up with this local woman named Hannah Butters, and the storm was coming in and she said, wow, it would be like the one, quote, when I see the Leeds Devil. So just like casually, oh yeah, by the way. But before she can say anything more, her nephew shut her off. So Mayor asked the, the local guide, the guy that was showing around, like, hey, man, what's up with that? And that was when he was told the story that we all know about Mother Leeds in 1735. But this is, you know, 100 plus years later at this point. There was a report from a church in the late 1800s that may have seen him, the Jersey Devil in 1893. An eerie railroad engineer said that uh, himself and his train were attacked and he was asked, could this thing you've seen been an owl? Because, you know, they have wings. His response, "This now what I appreciate about these quotes is that when they're saying, by God, it's bleeped out. But he's saying, by God, that ain't no owl. That's the Leeds devil. Back again, as sure as you're living. A handful of other references to sightings that would happen. You know, supposedly there was a religious cleansing that had taken place that had banished the devil for 100 years, but now it was 100 years were up, so he was back The thing is, is that again, this was an area mostly populated by Quakers and they don't believe in exorcisms and don't perform exorcisms. 1899, another report of the creature in the forest. This is also the first time we'd heard the official origin story in a paper and it's the Atlanta Tribune. It ran a story on July 22nd of 1899. It was titled, A Jersey Superstition. Some account of a weird legend almost universally accepted, known as the Leeds Devil. It is said to reappear whenever some calamity overhangs and threatens the country. Firmly credited by pine rats. Is that like the 1899 version of creepypasta? No, that's like the 1899 version of the way we would say backwards. Got it. It continues. The Leeds Devil has not been vividly seen since it warned the Piners of the coming of the Civil War. A you know, smart hmm. devil who sees the Civil War happening. It continues. So, although this is this is I delight in this, although the Piners proper have always had good records for honesty, there still exists among them remnants of a once larger nomadic, gypsy-like class, said to be the. Dist- ...descendants of Jersey Tories, who became forest refugees, but vulgarly known as Pine Rats. Subsequent to the Revolution, this unruly element banded together as forest freebooters and issued forth in the night raiding farms and dwellings of the opposite cause. Their descendants became more deranged by ostracism meted by the honest foresters, living in tents, thieved cranberries and farm products, and struck terror to the hearts of the respectable folk by causing destructive forest fires when force was used against them. Okay, so this is interesting for a couple reasons. The pine rats, the way they're talking about them. It's not positive. These are the ones who were talking about the Jersey Devil. Two, the comment that they're descended from Tories. What's a Tory? A loyalist, a British loyalist you're looking again people who were descended from tories meaning tories were it was a revolution term it was people from the 16 1700s who were loyal to the british crown when they were talking about breaking from the british crown daniel Leeds was a tory remember he was working for the the governor like he was all about yay britain so it's just interesting to me that that they're tracing back this legend being passed down by people who were Tories. So in 1905, Trenton Times article reported the story. In this version, as they were talking about the origin of the Leeds Devil, the little baby demon stuck around with the family until about 1808. And then it went into the woods. So it stuck around a little bit longer. It wasn't just called the Leeds Devil. It was called Leeds Satan, Flying Hoof, Winged Dog, and my personal favorite, Air Host because i like to read as air hose and i just think that's delightful i think it's it's horse air horse but it's much more fun when you say air hose like air hose air hose should be our hashtag for this Hashtag hashtag air hose people are finding strange footprints throughout the pine barrens again you've got a handful of sightings spooky shit but nothing super definitive 1909 though 1909 that's when things explode People are being attacked and stalked. Chickens are being stolen. Children are at risk. Animals are being mutilated. People are staying indoors. There's a curfew. Legitimate papers are reporting on this. Real papers. Not creepypasta. Not creepy pasta, <laughs> Like actual human papers. Here's the thing, though. It all traced back to one place. A man named Norman Jeffries, who worked for a business called the Ninth and Arch Street Dime Museum. I'm trying to think of a contemporary example, like a Ripley's Believe It or Not, basically. Like dime museums are really popular. It's full of weird, random things. So he read this report in the Leeds Devil and a little idea popped in his head. See, their museum wasn't doing super great. What better way to bring business into their museum than to lean into this whole idea of a local monster? So he convinces his bosses at the time, this is the best idea ever. We're going to stoke the fires on this Jersey devil thing, this Leeds monster thing, and we're going to plant stories in legitimate papers. So here's one that ran in the York Dispatch on January 21st of 1909. So uncanny is the mystery that many persons who do not know the word superstition, after careful study of the marks, are willing to ascribe them to some supernatural cause. Policemen have announced they will shoot the creature on sight, Hundreds of steel traps were set out by farmers today in the hope that the night wanderer, devil, bird, or whatever the creature of the tracks may be might wander into the traps and be held for identification. People are seeing tracks, you know. Another article ran in the Intelligencer Journal on January 22nd of 1909. It took it even further, and this was maybe my favorite of all the things I read. Um, The owner of, it has the owner of the museum, the Ninth and Arch Street Dime Museum, claiming that an Australian vampire oh what, my was, god it was liam <laughs> liam Be- bearing in mind the people at home don't know what you're talking
1: about liam is our australian friend yes he they, existed they, in the past apparently as an australian vampire this
0: article ran the intelligence journal on january 22nd of 1909 and it said that this was an australian vampire and it was his australian vampire he said i'm very anxious to recover the vampire he said There's only one like it in captivity, and that is in the zoological garden in Berlin. I purchased the animal in Europe, and it arrived in the city 10 days ago. I had it in a menagerie at Beach Street and Fairmont Avenue, and it escaped from there. They went out and got themselves a kangaroo. They painted stripes on it. They put wings on it. Oh, poor baby. They arranged this big expedition to the Pine Barrens. They went to the woods and they captured this horrible creature. Air quotes. Air quotes. So the newspapers are like, oh, yay, it's been cut. Hey, look, you can go see it in the museum. So they, they have in their museum this poor kangaroo with Aww. wings strapped to his back. People are showing up. And what's interesting about this is that even to this day, you see descriptions of the Jersey devil. And one of the things that is sometimes said is it had the head of a kangaroo. That's because it literally had the head of a kangaroo because it was a kangaroo, a head and a body of a kangaroo. Yeah. So this, this eventually like some newspapers were catching on, people were catching on. This poor kangaroo was sent home, Uh museum closed but now like the idea is out there there's been all these articles people have seen it people remember it people have devil on the brain this was also the first time it's not being just called the Leeds devil it's being called the jersey devil Hmm. and that's the thing once you open this box you're not going to put it back in hunts start up people are going on hunts for the jersey devil um the 50s and 60s that's when you have this huge interest in cryptozoology when cryptozoology really started to develop allegedly in 1957 this chart animal corpse was discovered after a forest fire and a lot of people thought it was the jersey devil but they never did any official testing on it and the carcass is not still around so it was probably just the carcass of like a deer uh there's reports of of the Jersey Devil flying over people's cars, and I don't know what else flies over people's cars. Birds, owl. birds, owls, eagles, hawks—take your pick. I mean, like, it's the pine barrens. You've got deer, owls. Owls are bigger than people realize. Owls are remarkably large, and they can look really weird too. They like, can look wasn't really there weird. There that
1: one picture published a while ago that made them look like
0: like baby owls, like aliens. And oh, owls can Owls can look bizarre. And also, in the Pine Barrens is something called the Sandhill Crane. The Sandhill Crane is very, very large. It has a wingspan of like six and a half feet. Oh my God, that's huge. It is, but I mean, that's not even the biggest crane out there. But I think people don't always realize when you have some of these birds flying how big they are. There's a lot of things, and, and I mean, anytime you're in a forest too, you see a big bird, you see it with branches around it. You're hearing these sounds, the sounds the owls and the birds make, they sound otherworldly. But what I found really interesting when I was looking at some of the more contemporary reports and sightings, like there's descendants of the Leed family. And some of them really lean into their reputation. And what was really alarming is the few of them seem to really believe they're descended from the Jersey Devil. And I'm like, I can't tell if you're punking me or not. And I really hope you're punking me. <laughs> uh, there was uh, this is great. So there was this sighting in 2015. Uh, the new NewJersey.com posted a photo of this winged ghost-like creature. It's what I sent you earlier. Oh God! Uh, it's like mid-flight, and this. Uh, <laughs> So Dave Black of Little Egg Harbor Township claims that he thought it was a llama until it spread its wings and flew over the golf course. Wait, that would be the cutest llama ever! No wings, right? I'm like, if the Jersey Devils really just a llama with wings, I'm all about that. Um, it's there like was a Pegasus llama, it's adorable. There was this. Okay, this was maybe my favorite quote of everything. I realize I've said that like five times, but there's so many funny things with this case. In 2018, this guy named Mike Familent. He was quoted as saying in this one article, I think a lot of Jersey Devil sightings are actually Bigfoot. What? Does Bigfoot have wings? Oh, it gets better. The Jersey Devil is reported to be seven foot tall with glowing eyes, Family said. Well, that's also a Bigfoot. Glowing red eyes is more common to a Bigfoot than to a Jersey Devil. The scream, too. That's a Bigfoot characteristic. To me, Bigfoot (laughs) is an undisclosed intelligent bipedal primate that lives in dense forests in North America, he said. I've never seen one in person, but I have done some studies, specifically in New Jersey. You might find interesting. Every third year, Bigfoot sightings increase 70%. Now, these sightings run in a counterclockwise motion around the state. As I said, every third year, Bigfoot are nomadic. They travel. When I'm looking for Bigfoot, I look for what they need. They need food, shelter, water, and a travel path. The Pine Barrens fit that. There's a train track that runs right through the middle of the Pine Barrens. That's not used anymore. It's a Bigfoot Highway. Oh my God, Bigfoot Highway! That should be a new song. Hashtag Bigfoot Highway. Uh, I realize I, I went on longer than I need to in that quote, but I had to get to the Bigfoot Highway part. It was necessary. It was necessary. That's a lot. I I will say that in everything I read, I think what kind of summed it up the best was um, folklorist Angus Cress Gillespie. And what he said is The Jersey Devil is a belief tale, generally believed by the teller to be true. The Jersey Devil is a creature of folklore. It is passed on orally, anonymously, and in a formulaic manner. The story is usually told with cliche, and more cliches, the better there is no one true version of the Jersey devil. Philosophically speaking, it would be extremely difficult to prove the non-existence of the Jersey devil. You'd have to bring out the whole New Jersey National Guard to have them hold hands and comb the pine lands, And even then, you couldn't get a sure answer. I say we do it. I think it's cute that he had them hold hands. I Well, that's because, you know, that's what you do when you search for bodies. You hold hands so that you don't miss any... You've never been on one of those before, have you? I
1: haven't. I didn't know that you
0: had. <laughs> That's a conversation for another time. <laughs> um, but but that being said, I, I really liked what he said. A belief tale. It's a nice thing to believe in. Yeah. But as I went down my rabbit hole for the Jersey Devil, I'm sorry to those of you that believe it exists. She's going to um, scully. I'm going to scully. There is no... Evidence, 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 to support the claims of an actual Jersey Devil. I mean, I would, I would go as far to say that that Bigfoot has more evidence. Yeah, because he's been in your pants. I'm just kidding. He's your boyfriend.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, ex-boyfriend. No. <laughs> um. No, but like at least with Bigfoot or even the Loch Ness Monster, there's, there's, there's pictures, there's footprints, there footprints in a different way.
1: I feel like the pictures though, that are available for the Jersey devil are so ridiculous looking. Like they look like a character
0: out of Pee Wee's Playhouse. They do. And, and honestly, because the, the hype really exploded in that 1909 situation. And, and that's what a lot of people point to a lot when they're, and this, this, this kind of went back to the initial point that, a lot of the same stories are told and retold orally. They're, they're told and retold, but they're not sourced. There is no one source you can look at and trace and say this was the exact moment this came into being. I mean, even Bigfoot, you have indigenous legends about where you can point back and be like, well, this was being spoken about a thousand years ago. This is one that there's rumblings about, but really didn't start to fall into legend till the, the late 1700s, early 1900s. And it, it does seem to point to the Leeds family and a lot of the, the mythology around them and, and fear, fear of the monstrous children, fear of, of the devil. Uh, and then legend kind of jumped the shark when a couple guys decided this is a way to make a quick buck. I mean, it's not the first
1: time something like that's ever happened either.
0: Oh, no, of course not. I mean, again, uh, a huge portion of cryptozoology, I feel like, is dealing with this. Like, one or two incidents that then, because it's, what's the kangaroo? I was fascinated how many accounts I read that talked about, well, it had the head of a kangaroo. And it's like, yeah, because it was actually a kangaroo.
1: Well, it kind of reminds me of, like, the faux mermaid that was created with Mm. a monkey and Mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. fish tail, you know? Like, that was a whole thing that they thought they caught a mermaid and had it on display, but it was literally just two halves of two different animals that were
0: dead. Or even the, the, the Thunderbirds. The people have memories of seeing this photo that supposedly exists of this giant bird. The thing is, is that there's no photo that's ever been found like and put out there, but people have this memory of it. Or the, the Bernstein Bears thing, the spelling of it. Have you seen this whole yeah, thing? The, it's yeah. called something. I forgot what it's called. There's a name for it. There's a name for it, but because I, I'm among them. I had all the Bernstein Bear books when I was a kid, and I swear it was it was Bernstein S-T-E-I-N, and it's not. And there's some weird conspiracy theories, but we remember things. I don't know. The human mind is really interesting. We, we believe what we want to believe. We're open to suggestion. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, I think that's also kind of charming and delightful, but I, I mean, I really like, I'd rather live in a world where Bigfoot exists because that's fun. I like monsters.
1: I've got the name of it. Mm. It's Mm -hmm. the, sorry, I just looked it up. Schrodinger's nostalgia. Mm. that's what it's called interesting Um, it's just like the spelling of different things so when you're looking at like the Bernstein bears versus the bernstein burrs burrs. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's it's like where you remember something a certain way but it wasn't ever that way and it's a concept that your brain processes something and just convinces itself that it is that one thing regardless of what it actually is or not. What's also interesting too is just like the level of Photoshop that happens <laughs> for like different types of pictures of like cryptids. And there's one that oh, I yeah. found on the Jersey Devil.
0: Oh God, some of them are awful. so
1: funny. But it's it's honestly, it looks like a goofy character that was like right. a weird cartoon. Like the awkward teenager with the lanky legs and a really big head. Like, that's, to me, what it looks like. But there's this one that was supposedly caught on a video.
0: Oh, the video is hysterical. The video
1: just looks like a small animal with, like, wings.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, here's the thing. Like, it's a giant game of telephone, right? That's, that's yeah. the problem with oral history is that somewhere within it is the truth, but you trace something back and one person tells the story and the next person tells the story another way and the next person tells it a little bit bigger and embellished and I mean it's natural I even find with my own stories I'm sharing with somebody this weird need to make them more interesting or exciting yeah you know it's it's human nature so somewhere within all of this is I feel like the origin of the story but it's twisted and embellished and fed on fear and propaganda and rivalries where like anyone who who who's listening to this who says but I believe in the Jersey Devil I don't want to say don't believe in the Jersey Devil because again I'd rather live in a world full of monsters because it's more interesting but understanding history understanding origins you can't take everything as fact. It's, 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 it's not just me scullying either.
1: No. And I think it's the fact that people are very willing to believe anything that's told to them. Yes. General. Um, and that's just a a very general, like big generalization. And that's something Hmm. that could be applied to literally anything, but to your point, an interesting story is an interesting story. It's fun to hear. It doesn't mean it's true. But right. it is fun to hear. And it's, it's fun to hear. definitely fun to tell, too. Yes, yes. And I think that's what makes stories like this so exciting to talk about, because mm-hmm. it is a retelling of it. But, you know, we have to dissect it the way we dissect it, because that's what right. we do. But on top of that, like, you guys, Kim was texting me the other night.
0: <laughs> the oh, best I was text so, conversation. I was so mad. I was so that mad. But I,
1: I legitimately... I'm going to use this as my reference (laughs) for Creepy Critics Corner because (laughs) it's that good. I was Uh, in the
0: mood. She's a good time when she's in the mood, guys. Okay. So full disclosure, again, I I do a lot of rabbit holes when I'm doing research. And so it means I look and see if there's anything... Uh, TV episodes that I can use as reference. So I
1: get this text from Kim. Oh my god I started watching the Jersey Devil episode of In Search of Monsters that and it's it. so melodramatic I can't. I'm just <laughs> laughing. Quote there's definitely a flying creature out there in them woods cause we saw it. End quote. Gee I wonder what kind of flying creatures might exist in the woods. Dot dot dot. And then she goes, I was, I was pacing. I was pacing. I was so annoyed. Then I get curious and I'm like, wait, where can I watch this? Because I, now, now I want to watch it. <laughs> so she says it's on the Travel Channel. And I think I've lost IQ points while watching this. And it's uh-huh. wrong, period. It's all capital letters. Wrong, period. Like, period. The facts, period. Are wrong, period. As in, period wrong, period, incorrect information, but being presented as fact. And it's making me so mad. There are people out there, not smart people, who will watch this and take it as fact. You guys, this is like the highlight of my day. Like, I don't think you understand. It was so good. So, Because, I mean, here's the thing, is that we get so many great topics that we research, but very rarely do we get ones that are like this level of entertaining.
0: So one <laughs> well, I, I, I think I was annoyed because I I also took time out of my day to watch this and I had to teach. And then I was like, this is I have to go on to a, a Zoom chat with a bunch of children to teach innocent them act- children. wasn't children teach them <laughs> acting for the camera. And this has me all worked up and all in a mood because I could have been watching anything but this anything. My cat licking her butt. I could have been watching that and I would have gained more from the experience. (laughs) See, now I'm getting mad even talking about it again. Uh, (laughs) And that
1: was why I wanted to bring it up so you could see it in action. So um, I think,
0: is that everything, Kim? I will say I knew the the basis of the story of the Jersey Devil and the Leeds Devil. This was a really interesting one for me because there's a lot of stuff that was brand new that I learned about during this. I learned a lot about new stuff from you
1: today. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. And having said that, that brings us to... Creepy Critics Corner! Creepy Critics Corner! (laughs) I think Kim wants to recommend um, In Search of Monsters on the Travel Channel.
0: (laughs) Uh, or not Kim Kim, Kim does not want to recommend that because uh <laughs> ever and here's the thing like I what I've been watching a travel channel that was pretty legit oh the the Robert England show I like the show with Robert England on it on the travel channel um I'd watch that I would not watch this don't don't watch this you're going to get mad or if you're not then I don't want to talk to you
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually I feel like I haven't watched that much of anything in the last... I don't even know how much time has gone by. I'm very confused on time and days. I, I have some stuff that
0: I watched, actually. Fiction, but still relating to the Jersey Devil. And yes. a book. Well, and I mentioned it when, during the episode. Uh, the Secret History of the Jersey Devil by... I'm going to say it again, by Brian Regal and Frank Esposito. And I got a crap ton of research out of it. It's a great book. If That's you're awesome. interested in, like, diving deep, read this book. It's fantastic. But I watched a movie called The Last Broadcast. Oh. And this movie is interesting for a, a multitude of reasons. It came out in 1998. I first saw it sometime in the early 2000s. Um It is a found footage movie. You love found footage movies. I love found footage movies. And this was a rewatch for me. I hadn't watched it, though, in at least probably a decade, if not longer. But why this is interesting, me saying 1998, you horror fans out there might remember a little film called The Blair Witch Project. I love that movie. Blair Witch Project is considered by many to be sort of the kickstart of the found footage genre. It existed before the Blair Witch project, but that was uh, in terms of uh, uh starting a this uh, the same way that Halloween kind of kicked off slasher films even though they'd existed before that. It um
1: popularized them.
0: Popularized them. Thank you. The last broadcast came out in 1998. It came out a little bit before the Blair Witch project. It was shot for about $900. It is cheaply made, but it is about A man making a documentary, delving into the disappearance and murder of a couple gentlemen uh, who ran a public access show who'd gone to the Pine Barrens to look for the Jersey Devil. Oh. Two of them were found murdered and one of them had disappeared. And the fourth member of the party was charged with their murders. But as he starts diving into the story, he's realizing that there might be more to it. It is currently streaming. It didn't used to be, but it is streaming now. And I have to say, I think I enjoyed it more now than when I first saw it back in the 2000s. If you want to watch a a nice little found footage movie, then I would recommend it.
1: Nice. That sounds really cool. I have not been watching anything lately uh, because I've been working a lot. I know.
0: And uh,
1: editing, working, doing all the things. But there is a book that I did start reading and you, actually, Kim gave me two books. And she encourages (laughs) my reading uh, escapades. And (laughs) one is um, going to be a reference for a future episode that we do. Uh And it is based on Sarah Winchester. And Uh it is titled... Captive of the Labyrinth, the Sarah L. Winchester, (laughs) Heiress to the Rifle Fortune um, by Mary Jo Ignafo. And it's really interesting. The first portion of the book talks about how like no one ever really had legit sources to know anything about Sarah Winchester. And so they didn't have... There was no source. They didn't have any evidence.
0: Evidence. Evidence.
1: (laughs) But this one particular writer knew where to go to find it. And then she tells her story. So it's really interesting. And I'm just getting into it now. Um, And the other book that Kim got me, we are going to be doing (laughs) almost like a read-along joke moment on our Instagram Live uh, and our next Instagram Live. Actually, by the time this comes out, it will have already happened. It's a uh, ghost hunting for dummies by Zach Bagans, because Kim knows how to play a good joke. And that's sending that to me in the mail during quarantine. So, uh, it was a really wonderful thing to find and I'm excited to rip it apart. So not like literally figuratively, um, not going to figurative ripping the book apart. No, but don't do that. No,
0: that'd be mean. <laughs> that'd be very mean.
1: But If you like what we do and you like this podcast and our topics, please go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating, a review. We love to hear what you have to say. Um, you can also find us on Instagram. Our Instagram is Ghoulish Tendencies Podcast. We've been going live on every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time just for some cool little interactions between you guys and us while we're in quarantine. It's a great way to talk to us about what we have coming up, talk about some previous episodes. If you have any questions to ask, it's a great time to ask. And it's just fun, you know, interact with some people. We also have our website, which is tendencies.com, where you can find all of our show notes, all of our episodes, all of our links to our social media, which also includes Twitter, which is ghoulish podcast, And we also have Patreon, which is ghoulish Tendencies podcast. So we know it's tough times right now for people. We so appreciate anything that you can do to help us out. It is time consuming and expensive to do a podcast but we love doing it and we want to keep doing it for you guys so anything you can do to help us out we very greatly appreciate we also have a facebook which is foolish tendencies podcast well thank you for listening and stay